Carey. This is Warhammer 40k Book Club, where we read from a crag. This is episode number 98, and our book is War Boss by Mike Brooks. It tells the competing fight for supremacy within an orc war, uh, and also involves some Eldari. We posted several questions on our website, wh40kbookclub.com, and we encourage participation in our conversations via Twitter, YouTube, site, or Encrypted Vox channel. Spoil spoiler warning. If you haven't yet read this book, definitely check it out. It's very funny. And come back and check this out because we'll be discussing the book from start to finish in great detail. With that, let's dive in. As always, did you like the book? Of course I did. It's orcs. And Mike Brooks writing orcs. It was, I mean, this book really, like, would have had a try to have failed with us, I think. Yeah. And I, I, and I like the book, but I decided to get the audiobook because I'm in my car, like, all the time. And then I talked Jen into getting the audiobook as well because, my gosh, the narrator has this delightful Cockney accent, and he is so dang funny. And I, to me, it was worth getting the audio, you spending a credit for the audio version just for how he introduces each chapter. Great. Agreed. I think my favorite was when he finally butts in and he says the chapter name. It's like 24 or 22. And he's like, I've had enough of the orcs messing up the chapters. It's just some like little cheeky, almost meta humor in the book, which is delightful. Um, I think going forth, like I almost feel comfortable saying, obviously, I like having the physical book, so I will continue to purchase them. Um, but I think think I'll just be listening. I'm not a big audio person, but I think I will for the Orcs books because they're just funny. Yep. And it adds a lot of, I would say color, but really just green to it. Well, I mean, sometimes with stuff that the Orcs say, it's kind of hard interpreting it and reading, but hearing it spoken, it's like, okay, now I totally understand what they're trying to say and they're Orcish, gothic, whatever. Low gothic, I guess I should say. And they're soccer hooliganese. Mm-hmm. I, uh, yeah. It, it, it was just a super fun book. Uh, it was exactly what I came for. Something light, something fluffy, something funny. And, um, yeah, it hit all of those. Mm-hmm. Even brought in some stuff pretty. I wasn't expecting. Seriously. Uh, what part stood out to you? Oh, man, what didn't? Although, honestly, I have to say, pull up my notes here. Probably my favorite line that I actually, like, doubled over laughing, which is hard to do when you're driving. It's, uh, let's see, it's page 114. And it is... It's basically the orc opinions on the Tau. And considering how much I can't stand the Tau, this, like... <laughs> so dang funny so it is hysterical from start to finish it wouldn't be a proper scrap if some orcs didn't end up fighting with each other as well if orcs stopped doing that then they'd be like those blue fish boys amazing who amazing. made really shooty stuff for orcs to steal at least Zagnob assumed that was the reasoning as they certainly didn't try very hard to hold on to it and you got up close to them we've now gotten into the memes on melee which I love uh -huh. and who thought everyone might want to be on their side. Apparently you could trick them by saying you wouldn't fight them and then they'd actually be really surprised when you did fight them. <laughs> My favorite. So that is all very funny, but the next line is the one that slew me. He said that Zagnob had no qualms about that sort of low cunning. Anyone who believed that an orc wasn't going to fight them deserved everything they got. And while anything other than he heading for the enemy straight on might technically be cowardice or blood axe thinking, Sometimes it was so funny, it didn't count. Agreed. I can't argue with that logic. First off, if you don't think the orcs are going to fight you, I mean, <laughs> you get what you deserve. And just the idea, <laughs> they're, they're overall, some of the clans um, dislike towards like tactics and logic and thinking and cunning is funny in and of itself, but I like the idea that they're like, well, not technically that is kind of cunning, but it's also just funny. <laughs> and I can't disagree with that. <laughs> uh, no. It's, 
Yeah, that whole bit, I, I had a feeling that that was going to tickle you because it, I, we were both, my husband and I both were laughing so hard listening to that. Like it's I said, like good. I was driving and I got to that and I'm like cackling and my kids are like, that is really not that funny. But it is though. Just random things actually tickled me that my kids were like, why is that so funny? Like, for example, I think it was with uh, C- Captain Vera when he said it would be like water off of It'd be like water off of a waterfowl's back. That tickled me for whatever reasons, like because they wouldn't have ducks. And I'm cracking up and my kids are like, that's really not that funny. I'm like, you don't know what funny is. Like, no, you don't. Yeah, no, that is just funny. Um, The other, the comment that I really liked that was just one of those little weird aside things is when the general was trying to like get like promote and give titles and nobody wants a different title. And he's like, do you only want lieutenant because it has the word loot in it? And everyone's like, yeah. <laughs> it's just like, because I, one of my favorite things, like whenever I read the books aloud to my husband with the, the orc stuff, I always have to every now and then I'll pause and be like, oh, this word is spelled this way, by the way. Because the spelling stuff really does crack me up. And yeah, the fact oh, yeah. that lieutenant, because it has loot in it, it's just... Very, very good orc logic. No, all of it. <laughs> like this, how they're you know, comprehending things, how they think, even how the grots are trying to think of things. Anytime you get inside an orc's head and try to understand their culture, it's just going to be a good time. Well, because everything is so logical to them. Again, and that's always been one of those things that I absolutely love about the orcs is that they're shockingly cerebral. So, like, that whole bit with the fish com- the, uh, the fish boys is a really good example of that, where he's just like, I mean, normally I don't like that kind of low cunning, because that's like blood axe stuff or cowardice, but you know what? It's just so much fun. Like, the way that they'll be like, no, that's really bad, but... Or, like, in the very end, when... When he, uh, when he kicks the grot through the gate, and uh, they hear him ricochet through the gate, and the, weir- and the, the warp head starts laughing, he's like, well, at least he still knows what's funny. <laughs> right that is good but it's more of like when he's like uh when the general's just like no we're not gonna go fight the avatar of kane and everyone's like but why and he's like well because there's more fighting out there and everyone's like oh mm-hmm. yeah good point like it just it's shocking it, it's lowbrow for sure but there's a lot of like thinking and pondering and philosophizing about their existence that and it's funny to me that basically everything is justified. Oh, yeah. There's a, there's a reason for everything. Well, this is kind of cowardly, but <laughs> they might not have a reason why, but it was kind of fun. You know, it's like, oh, okay. And I remember that also from Brutal Cunning. Mm-hmm. That there was a lot of, because like, remember one of the things that we always, we reference a lot with Brutal Cunning when was when he was like, um, when he's thinking about, what Uthak is thinking about um, the Mechanicus. And he's like, Obviously, they want us to come and to steal their stuff because they would. They otherwise they wouldn't have made it so shiny. Yeah. And then with like, and then with the towel, right? Where he's just like, obviously they want us to take our their stuff because they don't try to hold on to it too much. Like again, just orc logic might be my favorite logic. I'm trying to think now of how can I how can I apply some orc logic to my own life. I don't know that that would be something a life coach would recommend. Probably not. <laughs> uh, it reminds me of with Rocket Raccoon. Can oh. I take some? No, you can't do that. But what if I want it more than the person who has it? No, still no. But you don't yeah. understand. I, I want it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, that's actually three-year-old yeah. three year logic. Exactly. It is very much small child logic, which... I think also kind of makes them a little scarier too. Right. Well, because I mean, or you know what? Teenagers. If you, if you, Have you met I teenagers? Mean, excuse me. <laughs> um, but I mean, like, you know, three year olds, you know, like, but I want this. Yes, I heard you, but you can't have, but I don't think you understand. Like, I want this. And then they'll throw a fit. And, and if you let them, like, they'll throw a temper tantrum, they'll, they can get violent. It's kind of how I imagine orcs. Someone told them oh, yeah. no. And so 
You don't understand. <laughs> I'm going to get this. Apparently, apparently I didn't explain myself. The other thing that I love about the orcs is that, again, we always make this joke, but it really is true that they are living their best lives. If they die, God, at least it was in a good scrap. Like, right. When the avatar of Cain shows up, they're just like, all right. Well, just now it's gotten it just, serious. It, now it's going to be fun. It's yeah, that, like. What cracked me up about that was I think it was the, the general when he seared something in it and it started to heal. He was like, oh, I want to keep one of these. Just keep fighting over and over again. It's like, I don't think. He's like, this it. will be the best fight ever. <laughs> I can't remember if that was the general, if that was Zagnob. But yes, they when they basically look at it and they're just like, oh, well, that's the perfect enemy because it heals. Mm-hmm. And of course, you're not entirely wrong. And um, just their names for stuff is wonderful. I love that they call them the Scrawnies. I love that he's that the Avatar King was a hot boy. Hot git. Get hot. The hot gets. Yeah, the hot gets. Which I'm just like. It was like the Scrawnies or the other word I think was the pointy eared gits. I like that too. Oh, and I like when he sees the Scrawnies and he's like, oh yeah, I've fought these guys before. Though usually they're spikier than the spiky gits. I like that. Like, I'm guessing they that's kind the, of recognize there's a difference. I'm guessing that's the Drukari, so I can think yes. of the spiky gets. Yes, they don't have uh, the taxonomy. Maybe isn't as formalized, but they're not wrong. Right. So, all right, let's begin at the beginning um, and and walk through our three cover characters arcs here. So let's talk about Snaggy. Were you invested in his revolution? Was he a good focal character whenever he popped up? Yes and no. I mean, sure, but I was like, this is not a, um, uh, gosh, I'm blanking on names tonight. The, um, you know, the Santa Claus one. Red Gabo. Red Gabo, yes. I was like, this is not a Gabo, so it's not going to be like a true revolution with, with whatever it is. But I was curious, like, how he was going to get things started after he accidentally kills the war boss, which was kind of funny. <laughs> uh, actually, really quite funny. I really found that amusing. And it's mostly, be- it's mostly because his first thought is panic and fear, right? But, of course, forgetting that the person who's in charge in a war is just the guy who's currently in charge. Right. So he basically, and it's kind of funny to me that the entire events of this book are kicked off with a grot having a temper tantrum. Right. So, but I agree. Yeah, he's um, not Gabo. No, he yeah he he he's not the red Gabo. He so I knew nothing was going to happen there, and uh. Honestly, it's like, I don't know how this is going to work out. You're never going to be war boss. Like, that's that's not even what Dagaba was about. It was not about a grot becoming a war boss or anything. Like, that's that's never going to happen. I did enjoy some of his logic and why he would do certain things. Mm-hmm. Like, he he really wanted to, like, beat up other grots. He's like, no, nah, I probably shouldn't do the orc thing because then they won't respect me. Um, little things like Little things like that. But, I mean, as a whole, like... I didn't enjoy his his stuff as much as I did the others. Agree. I liked him. I thought he was a fun character. I like the I like the idea that a grot's basically a catalyst for the whole book. Um one of the concepts of Dagabo that I find very interesting, and I think Mike Brooks really explored it very well in his book. Actually, I think both of the Dagabo stories mm-hmm. actually explored them pretty well, is that the Grots kind of have, they kind of struggle with understanding the concept, right? Like one of them gets the idea in their head mm-hmm. and the others around them kind of struggle. And I would actually say that Snaggy kind of struggles with it too. Because to your point, yes, on some hands he's like, okay, I am not going to do the orc thing. I am not going to beat up these guys. I'm, I'm going to, we're going to stick together. But on the other hand, he wants to be the war boss. Which is not the idea, right? He just wants to lead the orcs. So he kind of has a glimmer of the concept, but not the full picture. Mm-hmm. Which is always just kind of fun. But I agree that his chapters were kind of 
They were kind of the weakest ones. Having said that, was his end fitting for a grot? It's funny. It was super funny. Was, of I, all the I places the for the webway to take him, takes him to Uthak Blackhawk. <laughs> I was so excited when he reveals his name. I was like, yes! Because when we first started reading this book, I was like, um, I, I wanted more Uthak Blackhawk. Like, that's, that's, I mean, I, I enjoyed this. I liked all these characters. They're great. But I was like, I wanted more of that Blackhawk. So the fact that he shows up in the end did, mm -hmm. I was very excited about that. Um, and really, like you, I was like, well, he's not going to start a revolution. He's not going to become war boss. I did think it was kind of interesting that Morgrub was like, yeah, like, they kind of knew what Snaggy was thinking and doing and, I a little bit more insight into him than I no, thought I I'm convinced Morgrub was the voice of the gods. I agree with that a hundred percent. I think uh, I think that Snaggy was a useful idiot for him. Yes. Because otherwise, Gork and Work are not going to tell a grot where this scrawny's gateway is, and they're not going to give them ideas. For starting a revolution. <laughs> Chair malfunctions over I mean, there. maybe if it would be funny and entertain them, perhaps. Perhaps. But, I mean, just for the fact how Morgrub was when he came across them, and he's like, what are you doing? And they weren't saying anything. He's like, if you're trying to find the gateway, why don't you go that way? And then he's like, you know, if you want something done, you got to do it yourself and disappears. Like, okay, yes, you are definitely... The voice in his head. You are Gork and Mork in his head. So, very much so. But that also made it kind of fun. Like, that, mm -hmm. that it made it fun because it did, um, again, oh, we're going to talk so much about Morgrub later because what is going on with this guy? But yeah, Snaggy was kind of a useful idiot, which is kind of fitting for him because he is a grot. And as we know from the number of workbooks that we've read, Grot's place in the hierarchy is low. And he doesn't get killed. He doesn't get his revolution. But now he's with Effect Blackhawk. And you know damn well that if they do another book featuring Effect Blackhawk, Snaggy's going to be a problem. Right. Looking for more revolutions. And if he harms... Princess. have hair? I was going to say if he harms a hair on Princess's head... But do squigs have hair? I don't think so. I think they're like reptilian things. If he harms or amphibious. A tooth, if he harms a tooth in Princess's head, I'm going to be very upset with him. I just love the Dang fact it. that the way how Nizwit points out that he's like the high grot. He's like, I'm the one that's kicked less. <laughs> oh, and I've never been fed to a squig. I was like, well, you're still alive, aren't you? So I'm guessing you've never been fed to the squig. Grots. So that bear is repeating and bears pointing out. <laughs> All right. So we have three bosses we're fighting. We're following. We're following the general. We're following Goth Big Boss, Mag Deadfist, and then of course Evil Sun Speed Boss, Zagnob. Which boss Zagnob Thunderskaz? Huh? Thunderskaz. Thunderskaz. Ah. I love the orc names so much. Yeah, they're fun. I, honestly, I like the general from the very beginning just because of his name, the general. The general. And the fact that I don't know why. I like the blood axes. I, I do. Even though they're not like proper orcs and they get a lot of stuff from the humies, I think that makes them more interesting just in it, how they're able to. Oh, it totally does. How they're, it's just not as, not a straight up fight, how they're able to really logic and their tactics. I can't say tactics. tactics. I, it's not tactics. It's tactics. Mm -hmm. um, uh, I say it in the same emphasis that you would say tic-tacs. Yeah, tic-tacs. Tactics. Tactics. Um, you know, what he did with Vero, poor Vero. But, you know, when Vero, like, escapes and they're like, hey, he's gone. It's about bloody time. I was going to have to, like, write it out for him. I was like, oh, oh poor oh. Vero. 
It actually, so on one hand, I loved when he was just like, oh, humans. Like, they think we're so stupid. It's so easy to lay them a trap because they don't even think, they don't even recognize it could be a trap. Which Vero, like Arminius, he thinks about it for all of like three seconds. Could this be a trap? No, it's not a trap. They're orcs. Well, to be fair, that's how most orcs would have been. Oh, 100%. But that's because the Imperium doesn't understand that there is an entire clan of the orcs. Right. A little bit more thinky. And the fact that he had, like, I I, I really like the thinky orcs. Because I, I like my orcs to come in, too. I like the thinky ones, and I like the speed guys. So the general was definitely my favorite. Zagnov was a very close second, though. I think, honestly, one of my favorite lines with that was that the only thing that he liked more than speeding was speeding right through people and basically, a little more eloquent, I'm going to say, but basically killing them, burning them, whatever. That's kind of funny. Absolutely hilarious. I like them. I like their whole, yeah, I like the whole vibe of them. I love the way they describe them. Although the goth, the goths are fun too. All the orcs are just so much fun. And they all have their own little flavors and their own mm-hmm. little flavor text or like things about them. But yeah, the general from the start, basically as soon as he was introduced, I was like, oh, this is going to be my my guy right here. It's just from the name, to be totally honest. Da general. Da general. Uh, I do like whenever they sit there and think about each other, though, like again, when Zagnob's thinking about the, um, when he's, or was it Dead Fist? He's thinking about the uh, Tau, and he's just like, it's low cunning. I mean, it, it's something that a blood axe would do. Right. They just, they just rip on each other constantly. They're not true orcs. Oh, they're just too traditional of orcs. Oh, you know, the speed freaks. Right. I did like when Vero was describing how they smell, and he was talking about how they're earthy yet bitter and he's like and then of course just all their gasoline right uh, that's kind of what i would imagine is that they would just smell of ga- of exhaust right exactly like if you've ever driven behind that semi that definitely we've, means we've all driven behind that semi we've all driven behind that semi that's kind of what i imagine them smelling like and like dirt yeah, yeah. maybe cutting radishes i don't know but even Vero understands that the ones that had him were a little more thinky. He does understand, but he doesn't understand, like, how much. And that's kind right. of... How much more thinky. Right, right. Because um, when he's, like, trying to explain this all to the commissar, and she's basically like, okay, you, uh, you've apparently been affected, and, you know, because what you're saying can't be true. It's like, okay. Mm-hmm. Well... There's so much with the general. So, who, in terms of orcs, who was the fightiest, the most cunning? (laughs) Excuse me, my yard is trying to kill me. I hate this time of year, you guys. I've stuffed up and can't stop sneezing. But who was the fightiest? Who was the most cunning? Um, it's hard to say with them. I mean, obviously the general was because he ends up on top. Yeah, he's right? the, he was the survivor. The whole thing. And he was even the one that was like, why don't we work together to defeat this hot kit and then we can slug it out? And Dead Fist was like, sure. And then runs off anyway. And he's like, you idiots. Like, we could have taken this if we all went together. Which goes back to something we have said, and we really said when we were reading the Gazgul Thraka book, which is that Luckily for the Imperium, right. the orcs' biggest enemy is themselves. Because you can get one guy to really start thinking and calculating, and maybe he even gets some guys around him, right? But you're not going to get all of them start doing that. Yeah, that was the one thing that Gazkul Thraka was able to do, was unite the clans. Mm-hmm. But even he had to deal with a little bit of unruliness, right? And in the end, they are, I mean, they are, they're their worst enemies. Like, they're here, and I think he was 100% correct. I think if they all would have worked together, they probably could have taken down the Avatar of Cain. We've seen, we'll get there in a second, but 
like we've seen them trotted out a lot and less effectively, they could have done it. But alas, <laughs> and the fact that, I mean, Morgrope was very clever and very cunning because he pits them all against one another so that they all approach it from a different way, right? Making it easier to get down there. Very smart of him. But again... I mean, he knew where it was. Hmm? He knew where the gateway was. Oh, of course he did. He just he wanted just to fight more scrawny firepower. He wanted to get more stones. Which, like, as soon as he was, like, playing with the stone, I was like... I know what that is. That's not cool, man. <laughs> so let's talk a little bit about Morgrim. <laughs> we have seen weird boys before. He's but... like the crazy uncle, though, that everyone just kind of tolerates, but he's actually smarter than he lets on. Typically, when we see weird boys, they're kind of ticking time bombs, right? right. They are, for lack of better word, weird. And there's kind of this idea that they're just going to explode at any second. And they even reference that about him a lot, where they're just like, oh, man. Like, when he starts, like, you know, with the black, the green fire coming out of his mouth, they're all kind of like, oh, is he going to explode? No. And he does have that stone. As you mentioned, he's collecting more of them. He knew about the gate to begin with. He knew how um, to operate it. He knew what it does. Hey, but they said, you know, that that's why they called him a warphead was because he'd lived for so long because he seemed to have control of his powers, unlike other weird boys. Yes. Which is that's kind of terrifying if you think about it. Holy cow. So if the Gosgul Thraka book taught me that it is terrifying to think of an orc who actually not only can strategize and has plans and can unite all of the factions, but he also has like a vision. He has like a five-year plan, to use some corporate speak. Um, that's terrifying. This might be scarier because he's not just, a weird boy who's just like, oh, the warp, oh, the warp, oh, I've got magic powers now. No, no, he definitely, definitely has a bigger handle on the warp. The fact that he, it, my impression was that he definitely understood the webway, like what it is. Yep. And he did not, not only did he not seem surprised when the scrawnies came out, he did not seem surprised at all when the avatar gets summoned. No, he's kind of like, just kind of like, yeah. yep. There we go. Not only that, but he has such mastery, he can teleport. That even confused the Eldari. Which, I don't ever get the impression that the Eldari are often surprised. They've been around for so long, they have fought everything in the galaxy so many times... Yeah, and they talk about, like, when he's spinning the staff around and when he kind of starts messing in people's heads, the Eldari even are like, what? Mm -hmm. So what's his deal? What's he up to? What's his plan? So, well, the thing is, like, you know, have we come across anyone who's had such command of the warp they can teleport? I don't think so. Yes. We've seen a few Astartes sorcerers who can. We've seen people who do, like, that teleport flash. Because remember, um, what's-his-face? Uh, Iskander Kane does that kind of teleportation thing, too. Um, but we've seen, like, Yumi psychers who can do more like a shadow walk sort of thing right. with the warp. But it's not common. And even when it gets trotted out with humies, I'm speaking like an orc now, I've gone native. Um, when the humans trot it out or when the Astartes trot it out, it is always treated as like, ooh, shiny. Like, it, it, it's generally a thing to wonder at because it's not a super common power that people have, um, like a person has. But not so even a standard cane had it at this level. 
Oh no, no, definitely not. And the standard cane, one... standard cane kind of way he was doing it kind of remind me of like Nightcrawler from X Men, just dancing yes. in and out. This was like actual. First, I'm here. Now I'm somewhere else completely. <laughs> right. And I did not get the impression that it was like a child operating something because they figured out the right switch to use. Right. No. Right. Like ch children can like turn the faucet on and they can turn the lights on and off. They can technically like if you have a push to start car, you could get a child to start a car, but they don't really understand what they're doing. Right. They don't really understand what's happening. I got the impression that Morgrub not only fully understood, there were tactics involved. Oh, he has probably best command of the warp that we've really seen, which is really scary. Very scary, because talk about... Because on one hand, very cunning, very tactical, right? He definitely is a strategist. Uh, still orky, though. Well, yeah. Still works with the orc, still has that orc mindset. Not somebody, uh, remember in Ghostbusters when, uh, the gate, gatekeeper and the key master and, um, uh, they're like, oh, we have got to get these two together. I think that would be a very bad idea. I had that thought about him and Gosgul Thraka. Oh. Like, oh, we have got <laughs> to get these two together. Oh man, that'd be an unstoppable force. On second thought, let's not and say we did. You want to talk about painting the galaxy green. Um, the orcs are so much fun. And it's such a fun little lair. And it the thing that I like about it is sometimes, like, I feel as though there would have been a way to present this character in a way that would have made it feel very disingenuous or very, like, what? people? These characters can't do that. Like, I'll be honest and say that had this been, like... Just your standard human versus human book, like it had been Imperium versus like uh, a Chaos Warband. Had this just been some psyker doing this and acting about then knowing all this, I would have been like, okay, I'm gonna need to see some receipts for how. Right. But because it's the orcs, I have questions, obviously, hence why I asked this question of what is going on with this guy? Well, what is his deal? What are his plans? I but mean, I don't need to know the who, what, when, where, why, and how of his story necessarily well it's it's an orc like they have these things called rocks rok's i mean you don't have to <laughs> it's like you know there there's that meme like i don't have to you know it's magic i don't have to explain shit in this case it's it's orcs we don't have to explain shit because it just is well, along those lines is that how he teleports is yeah maybe he can yeah just because he can and the warp is like, sure, fam. Yeah, whatever. You seem like fun. Yeah. He's like, I can teleport. And the warp is just like, why not? Although, but do uh, orcs, since they're fun fungi, fungi, however you want to say it, do they have souls? So that's why they're basically immune to demons, which... Which would make me think that the warp would spit you back out. So it makes us well no they can still use some of the raw energy of the warp but like the demons demons don't like the orcs because all of their like they're basically like blunters right like all of their really scary really effective mental stuff doesn't work on the orcs the orcs just see them much like the uh, sisters of silence do which are like just big ugly red gits that's exactly how tanawalea would describe them to bt dubs um <laughs> but like they it, that's what also makes this interesting. So you also, like, there's a sense there. My my sense would be that, obviously, he's not possessed. Right. Um, obviously, or maybe not obviously. Like, I would say, obviously, the gods aren't talking to him. Or Gork, like, does Mork move in mysterious ways and definitely does use the warp? Is Mork the thinky orc? Thinky orc? I don't remember which one's which. Mork is the thinky one and Gork is the fighty one, I think. I might have that backwards. Because I, I honestly, like, every time I hear Mork, you know, Gork and Mork, I giggle because I think Mork and Mindy because I'm an 80s kid. That's fair. Mm. That's totally fair. Um, 
I, yeah, I, I think the other thing that I was thinking about, and this is because uh, we're going through showing my daughter classic movies, and we watched Kill Bill Volume 2 the other night, and uh, when she's trying to punch through the wall, and Pai Mei is just like, no wonder you fail. You concede to failure before you even start. I wonder how much of with warp stuff is like that for like sorcerers and stuff like that. Whereas the orc is like, oh no, I can believe I can do all of this. Well, Teleport I mean, across the room, why not? Isn't that the theory about why red ones go faster? Is because they believe that, so therefore it's true. But why the rock works. Why the rock works, yeah. Yeah, exactly. I There's so much with him that I'm like, oh man, this is like getting into some voodoo power of the mind stuff here. But my biggest question is, how did he figure out the Eldari? Like, how apparently did he he'd fought them out? before, got their stone. True. I don't know. Licked it like a frog a few times. I don't know. I haven't not been licking frogs. <laughs> exactly. One of my favorite Simpsons episodes. Um, yeah, exactly that. There, there's just something weird about him, and I don't know where he goes from here with a knocked out Eldari. And I feel so sorry for the Eldari on that. Like, I'm not a big, I'm not a big scrawnies person but um the idea of like they look at the humans as monkeys right like we're just like this base species and well now you've been captured by literal fungi <laughs> have fun I'm sure it's gonna go well and i'm sure, sure you love being paraded around in a cage treated very well i'm sure Oh, I'm totally sure. So let's talk about the Eldaris. Uh, so the Eldari come out, they're swarming, and you're like, oh, this is just going to be a classic fight. Okay, great. And the Avatar King comes out. Um, was this a good foil or a good challenge for the orcs? Was it a good, like, did you like this fight? Was this a good climax? It, well, I mean, yes, I mean, this like if this was a video game, this would be the ultimate boss fight. But I love the fact that there's the option to not fight. <laughs> yeah, it's kind of like what I did in The Witcher 2. I found there's options that you could, you didn't have to fight any bosses. So I didn't. I talked my way out of everything. It was great. It's kind of how I felt like, like this was. Yes, he's here, but we don't have to kill it. I, don't know. I mean, they try. Right. It's just, it was funny because when it came out, it was like, all, you know what? I, all I could think of was um, Thor Ragnarok. When Hulk, oh my God. When Hulk you is, can't defeat me. When Hulk is trying to go after, uh, oh my gosh, what was his name? Again, names are escaping. I me. cannot think of his name, but yes. Yes. And there's like, you know, Hulk, for once in your life, don't smash. But big monster. <laughs> I mean, that's totally how I envisioned, you know, how they reacted to um, to the Avatar. It's like, big monster. I, well, they do, like, all of them, all of them yeah. see it. They're like, yes. And once they see it healing, they get really excited. Like, this is super awesome. We've heard of the hot gets. Like, how exciting is this? But I do like the idea that the general even kind of recognizes, like, when he gets hurt, he's like, oh, Maybe this is not as exciting as we thought this was going to be. This is not going to be as fun. Um, they, that, it's arguably one of the perfect things for the orcs. Because again, the orcs are just living their best life. <laughs> this giant metal monster that heals is super fun. But it is also kind of fun because typically when the Avatar of Cain comes out, we know that our heroes are going to destroy the Avatar of Cain. Um, they might pay a large price for it, but in the end... Nope, I throw Ragnarok's actually a very good comparison because they don't they don't kill the big bad in that movie either. Right. Per se. Right? Like it I actually kind of imagine the Avatar of Kane looking a little bit like that and definitely having that voice. Um because it's wonderful. <laughs> but it I thought it was a really I did not see it coming. I did not see if you would have told me at the beginning of the book that, oh, by the way, it ends with a giant avatar of Cain fight. How the hell do they get there? They're sieging a hive city. Well, it makes sense. You know, when they talked about the gate, 
the gateway. I was like, okay, that's a webway gate. I know what that is. But I still wasn't expecting Eldar to come out and fight. Like, well, that, that makes sense. Interesting. No. I did not. Chief weapon of surprise. And then we kind of had our own Actually, little battle of the five armies down there. The fact that it was the Eldari kind of surprised me. I would have thought that it would have been the Drukari, right? I would have thought it would have been the spiky gets. Uh, but no, no, it's it's the Eldari, which makes it a little interesting. Uh, Especially when I you do... find out once that their Farseer has been hanging out in the Underhive this entire time. Pretending to be the seer of the emperor. Just kind of hanging out. Watching over the gateway. Do. Right? Like, I sit there and I'm like, do you... You really don't have anything better to do with your time? They live forever, right? I, I mean, guess. Yeah, like at some point. They're immortal, so, I mean, they don't die of old age. I'm just saying she was giving some hardcore Twilight vibes. They just... We just go to high school over and over and over again. Um, you know, I just sit down here and I act like a seer. Um, I thought sure. you meant Twilight Zone, not that Twilight. Oh, no, no, I meant that Twilight. I'm immortal, so I just sit down here and go to high school over and over again. It's very fun. No one ever seems to notice that I've... Because even though we're all clearly in our 20s as, as actors and actresses, we can't think of a better cover story. <laughs> oh my god, I have so many opinions there. Why, Anyways. Why we I, can't move anywhere else and live anywhere else. and Because we love the weather. Um, same with this lady. Oh yeah. I really like a good underhive. Because Seattle's got amazing weather, let me tell you. Uh, yeah. Forks, Washington. Um, oh, I'm sorry. They, not oh, Seattle. no, you're, I mean. Not Seattle. Six and one half dozen the other. I mean, uh, was it dreary and rainy the whole time? Yes. Okay. Yes. Yes. Was it uh, ever once believable that Bella said she missed being in the sun? No. You live in Washington. Do you even know what it is? Well, uh, because she moved there. I know. And the books, she was just like, I really miss the sun. I'm like, have you, before you saw the movie, I was like, have you been in the sun? Like, do you understand the sun? Because you seem mopey to me. Yeah. Uh, but this lady's in an underhive. Which I've read enough, fair, I've read a, bu a bunch of. You don't of, think that'd uh, be it? So which would you rather book. be? Underhive or Forks Washington? Um, thinking about the Cal Jericho book, once you get deep enough into the underhive, same, same. <laughs> you know, I'm sure you can find a market where they're throwing fish at one another, too, or, you know. Or what might have been fish. fish. Yeah. Yeah. Um, aquatic creatures that have meat you can eat. Um, yeah, I'm like, eat. that's what this lady does. Okay, sure. Uh, I did actually kind of like that she basically... Her death was very unceremonious. Just done. Just her head just went squish. Yeah. All I can think of was I just hear Key and Peel. Kilt! <laughs> and, uh... God, the Eldari guy who's like, No! And I'm like, yeah! She just got kilt! Yeah, but a I will say that... Before she was killed, though, he had some interesting insight into the universe. <laughs> Didn't he, though? I loved his commentary on the Necrons. <laughs> oh, my God. He, like, yes. It, it's always interesting to see what the races think of the other races. And just the answer is not much. Yeah. Like, the amount of arrogance. And that was actually kind of funny, too, because I'm like, you know, in some ways... The Eldari are kind of spiritual cousins to the orcs. We're, we're just the best ones. It's nothing personal. What is better than you? Well, so we learned, you know, that the orcs were actually created as a foible to the Necrons. Or maybe the Necron tier. I bet it was just the Necrons, though. Who created them? Was that actually the, the Eldari? That'd be kind of funny. The old ones. Oh, the old ones? The, uh, yeah, or the, uh, yeah, because they're, they're the ones who are just like, we have to, yes, 
And, uh, but I mean, do the Eldari, like, do they remember this? Do they... Uh, if they've been, if they're immortal, like when did they come into this? Because it's not, you know, the the Necrons or the Necrontier were what millions of years ago. Yeah, I'm sure. I'm sure I have the order of this. I'm sure I have the order of this out of order. But we, I think it was the one of those ruin books that we read where he was kind of musing on it, mm-hmm. and he talks about there's the war in heaven where they're fighting the old ones and they're trying to fight the gods and blah, 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 going back and forth, going back and forth. And then by the time, like, all the dust settles on it, they're like, oh, these, these space elves have now taken over everything. Like, the space elves are everywhere now. And so that's when they're just like, we're going to sleep. We'll wake up in a few thousand years. Um, million. Uh, but. Six million years later. The orcs, wow, talk about, um, consequences you did not intend Kind of like the xenomorphs. Anyways, um, it it's just a fun it, like, the Avatar of Cain piece. And it, like, what happens? What happens to the Avatar of Cain? It goes off to fight the Humies. I don't think the Humies are going to kill it. Does the Avatar of Cain rip down the entire hive? I was going to wonder if maybe the Humies and Eldari could, like, you know, unite together to defeat the orcs, but. There was that commissar, so that was not going to happen. Uh, no, not even a little bit. Um, not even a little bit. Let's talk about that commissar really quickly, because I feel like we 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 do. Oh yeah, the bitch. Armenius Arminius Vero's ending deserves his whole arc, right? Deserves some commentary. He's very interesting as well because he knows immediately he's like yeah I should have killed myself but quite frankly I don't want to and well he talks about how he tried in the yes. beginning and like, it they wouldn't let doesn't me work. <laughs> yeah like it it didn't work um and then he's like oh I'm gathering very valuable intel like he kind of he kind of starts to rationalize it in his head so let's say first off was there value in that? Like, let's say you get to the Imperium, you do find a dude, like, you find a Ordo Xenos Inquisitor who's like, tell me more. What does it do for us? I'm like, okay, so here's what you need to understand. The Blood Axes, actually quite smart. The Goths, maybe not, maybe less so. They're actually, when we think about orcs, you're thinking mm-hmm. about the Goths. Um, the Evil Sons, somewhere in between, maybe, I don't know. Uh... Is this valuable information or was the commissar right? Was this a fitting end to poor Vero? No. Felt so bad for him. The poor guy. I mean, you've been captured. You're being trotted around like a prize on this dude's back, right? You've been humiliated you've, over and over again. Humiliated. You get humiliated again because you finally escape and it's all just a trap. And then... You get killed by a commissar whose first question to you, like, you, you give her all of this information and she's just like, yeah, but why aren't you dead? Right. And she's like, and you're carrying, like, a Xenos weapon. He can't even explain himself. He's like, I did what I could to escape. So I could, you know, try to actually go to you guys to let y'all know what they were planning. She doesn't even let him talk. I felt... She was the embodiment of what everybody hates about commissars. And I had a feeling she was going to be like that when she said that she killed the colonel for cowardice. I'm like, seriously? I loved that when he was like, that's a good idea. And she's like, so I killed him. And she's like, and then immediately Barrow's like, oh, no, I am. I I mean, you also have a very good idea. I like your idea, too. Um, She is. She's very much what a commissar is. That is the commissar's role is... I follow the rules. I make sure everybody else follows the rules, right? On one hand, she's a very good commissar in that way, right? Like, I wield absolute authority. Nobody questions me. I uphold what we perceive to be the rules for the Astra Militarum. Isn't that the problem? How we perceive the rules? Like, you don't allow any gray because, as we said, many times people are messy. I did like, though... When he was reminiscing and he was just like, you know, maybe if I was a hero of the Imperium, like Commissar Kane, I was like, that makes me so happy. 
warmed my heart so much when he was like, if only I could be like that. <laughs> like, us too, buddy, us too. <laughs> because you have to think about, like, how far past, or how far in the past that Kyle Arcane takes for these. I mean, the guy's probably the equivalent of... God, I'm trying to even think about... Like, at that point, he's probably, like... This isn't the best example, but, like, Paul Bunyan, where everybody knows who Paul Bunyan is. Right. Right, everybody knows. Um, you know, we always have... We have these figures. Every culture has this figure where you're just like, oh, yes, we all know about this person, right? Um, Commissar Kane is definitely one of those people. So, yeah, when he's like, oh, only I could be that kind of a hero. <laughs> Kristen, we're just like... Yeah. <laughs> like, um... Yeah, sure, friend. He actually would never have gotten caught, to be totally honest. <laughs> right. Uh, yeah, totally, because his palms would have itched. And he would have fled. And he, but it would have looked, would've... and he would have taken a bunch of orcs out on the way of fleeing, which then oh, God, would have yes. made, which would have made him like, see, he is a hero. The other thing I did like about her, though, the commissar, Bones, I did like the idea that she's, like, plant explosives. Like... If we can't kill this, we'll just pull the whole, we'll just pull like the bottom layers of the hive out under it. Because the hive, I mean, you're so far under the ground, nobody's there. They talked about that in a lot of the Necromunda books, like right. all of the levels of the hive that just commonly and routinely collapsed because it's not like you're going to feel it upstairs. Um, so she was a good commissar, but yeah, just, Vero deserved better, is all I'm saying. The poor guy spends the whole book just... It made me think of that quote in the He at least deserved like, a shower. Yes. Oh, that was the other thing. And she was like, what have you done to your uniform? It's like, what? <laughs> Will you listen? Um, I lived with orcs. I was in a cage on a like, guy's I back. Orcs, I said. And every now and then I had yard time. <laughs> um. Yeah. And the orcs aren't exactly clean. Like, even they know this. Mm -hmm. um, but, you know, again, she's the commissar. It's by the book. You should not have soiled your uniform. That's against regulations. They, they, they exist in this odd little perfect bubble. And, uh, yeah, she, she did not allow for questions. See, I think, I, I think Severina Rain would have taken pity on him and tried to understand him. I don't know. I think Commissar Kane would have. I don't know that Severina Rain would have even. I mean, we saw her be a pretty hard-nosed. Um, and it, when you're talking about going, like, on one hand, his, his, like, okay, we have to approach these guys different ways. I'm like, that's sound, but there's an avatar of Kane out there. Like, all your your, your strategy's just gone out the window, well, right? That, when he's talking about, <laughs> he's giving the summary of the Eldari and everything, and she's like, I don't believe anything you said, even though I can hear fighting going on it's like all right you've already made up your mind oh, pretty much right like you've already made up your mind you know how this ends and it doesn't end well it was just such an insult to injury with him but it was also kind of a very fitting astromilitar man I mean, for him I, where i was like i oh. mean it was but Ugh. i was like oh man this poor guy and all of the orcs well not all the orcs because obviously zagnom and dead fist don't make it but the general and Snaggy and everyone makes it to go on and have other orky adventures. So last question that I forgot to put on here is the wild conjecture time. What happens next? Is Do you think that the general and Uthak Blackhawk meet up? Uh, is, it, is there going to be a crossover episode? Or do they just kind of go their own separate ways? Well, but Does Morgrub do something with the Eldari? Well, what I wonder is, like, so when he kicks Snaggy through there, why does he go to Uthrak? Do they go a different, do they go also to Uthrak? Or do they go to a different place because uh, Morgrub has the Eldari and he can control the webway? That's a, that I find interesting. What, you know, where exactly do they end up? Back. Yeah. Yeah, there's a lot of questions now that we know that he can control the webway. There's a lot of questions with, like, what's going on here? And what do they do next? Other than have more exciting and fun adventures. And are you excited for the next book from the in this series as it is? Especially if they go attack more scrawnies. Yeah, that's kind of fun. 
I love the orc books. <laughs> I want another one of them. I was I was so excited when they announced this book. I was so excited when we got it. And yeah, it was it was exactly what I came for. I know I say this a lot about these types of books, but it was that perfect candy bar book where you're just like, oh my god, so fun just and sweet so, and cool and so much fun. Just yeah, it was really, a dessert book. A whole lot of fun all around. Like which is what I, I wanted say, out of an orc book. I will say, in hindsight, I almost wish we would have saved this one for vacation because that would have been a fun beach read. It would have, but we needed to get it read. Uh, yeah, and I'm super glad we did. Um, and it's funny because we're going from one book from Mike Brooks to the other that also could not wait for vacation because it's just a little too important. And I did not manage to get either the limited edition or the hardback. And no, I'm not bitter at all. No, she's not at all. It is the lion son of the forest. There it is. He's trying to pull up the actual hardback cover. So pretty. I'm so excited, you guys. <laughs> the lion's back! Guess who's back? Back again. Um, I am so excited. I even got the codex so I can read how he wakes up and everything before we read this book. Maybe the book goes over it too, but I don't trust the games workshop. So I really want to know why he looks so old Why he and why they decided to design him to look like the Green Lantern. Not the Green Lantern, Green Arrow. God, another Green, green Arrow. I, I knew what you meant. Um, I... God, I don't know. I actually, this is such a minor thing. I really like the art for him on the book cover, but on the codex cover, I I don't like that art. It's not, and, and let me say that it's not bad art. Like, it's not like. No, I, I just, I don't character. like that particular depiction just, of him. I don't like that depiction. I don't like that imagination. I just, not my fan. Not See, my favorite. So, like, and if you go, I should have grabbed it earlier, but if you go and grab the um the lion primark book and compare and contrast it with how he looks now it makes me think of these comparisons i saw a long time ago of obi-wan we had ewan mcgregor versus sir alec guinness it's like dude what happened <laughs> in, the in the 20 years it's hard living yo. right <laughs> that's kind of how i feel yeah. that's fair um he just looks so like his eyes and everything looks so sallow like he looks like he looks like mayhaps he has not been sleeping this entire 10,000 years and life has been very difficult to him maybe it's gonna be those things where they're like oh the watchers have been whispering in his ears and he's just like oh, the whole time and <laughs> maybe. he woke up like oh my god uh, like and um, I'm not over going ahead and Grab your drinks, everybody. So I just finished uh, earlier this week, Angels of Caliban and the Horus Heresy. And uh, <laughs> so I am so excited for this because that brought some fascinating insights into the lion, some of his choices. Not only that, but I had no idea that the lion actually caused the fall of Imperium Secundus. I mean, yes, it really was never going to work because the emperor was alive and everything. But the fact that he was so stubborn and focused on getting curs he defied you know what they all agreed upon and they had to kick him out i don't know where he was gonna go there's a ruin storm and all that actually there was a way he, he had to leave but then he decided not to take it then he had a revelation something that curs had said darn you curs for your predictions but so they didn't work well together then <laughs> No. They just have two very different philosophies of of ruling. And I think probably one of my 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 favorite lines probably in that book was when Reboot is talking to his mother, Yutim, mm -hmm. about what he should do. And he and her response is she's like, Well, Sanguinius is ruling, but you have to run it. They're two different things. And she walks away from him. And he's just like, oh. But the fact that, you know, with the lion to get his way, he would throw in Reboot's face what happened to his, you know, his, uh, I guess his earth father. 
and uh, just kind of they were at each other's throats the entire time. Because Raboot is very open and diplomatic, and the lion is very closed and secretive. That's very much so. so. The fact that the lion's going to wake up, or that he's now woken up and sees that Raboot is now the Lord Regent, we're going to make the lion Lord pro- well. the Lord Protector again. That's not going to go very well. Well, and one of the things that you and I have always kind of joked about, but it's like a half joke, half not a joke is this idea that he's going to wake up and discover the state of the Dark Angels of, oh, by the way, like, we haven't hunted down everybody. Um, Cypher is still a thing. Luther's still a thing. And he's escaped. And um, we just kind of do whatever we want. Like, we're not really loyal to the Imperium. We're loyal to ourselves first. And then if it happens to be convenient for us to also be loyal to the Imperium, we are. Oh, um, we have this bad habit of, like, sending the Grey Knights to the Inquisition on the Space Wolves. Just for funsies. That's going to be a really interesting thing. Because one of the things that gets dealt with in the Lehman Russ Primark novel is he directly addresses their feud and their dislike. And he even says, he's like, cause he's so sad because this it's a, uh, that whole book starts and ends with him just having learned the lion has disappeared. And he's very sad about it. And he's like, look, we never liked each other, but by the end of it, we could be in the same room together. And like it with the, and, the, and Lehman says it with like such warmth, right? Mm-hmm. Like we could be in the same room together. Isn't that awesome. Like, <laughs> There's going to be some conversations. There's going to be some very awkward conversations, I think, that are going to have to happen. And there's going to be awkward conversations. And, yeah, they're going to have to work together again. And I don't know. Like, one of the things we already know from the um, Dark Imperium books is that Imperium Secundus is out there. Right? Fabian knows about it. Uh, He has the book about it. Now we have the lion waking up. Is this all part of the big scheme of like, hey, we're going to have to go back in and talk about this? I don't know. Well, I mean, it was a thing. Yes. I don't know. The whole thing. And then we're like, oh, we have Imperium Secundus. This proves that, you know, Reboot wanted to rule. Like, he didn't want to rule. He actually made very clear. He's like, I can't rule. Right. Because it's going to seem like I'm trying to usurp everything. And the lion, it's something the lion actually comes to grips with at the end of Angels of Caliban, is that he's not a good ruler. And that's probably the saddest part of it all, is because he's like, because he's like, everyone thinks that Luther did a slight, and that's why I sent him away. But I sent him away because he's the best person to rule and run Caliban. And the whole time I'm like, did you tell him that? No, you didn't. Again, I think of that short story where he's all pissed off that Conrad lured him out there and he's just like, you were my closest brother. And Conrad's like, come again. And he's like, dude, we were both raised by wolves. We're obviously BFFs. And Conrad's just like, what's wrong with you? <laughs> People think I'm mad. <laughs> I mean, Pretty much. Yeah. So, yeah, it's going to be an interesting book. I, I have a feeling you and I are going to be texting back and forth a lot. I am so excited. You guys have no idea how hard it was for me to not start reading this book. Like, put down War Boss and be like, I'll read a summary online. But no, I wouldn't do that. Besides, the audiobook was too fascinating to put down, to be totally honest. <laughs> so much fun. I'm so excited. I know it's going to be exciting. So we will have it. Um, It's going to be a day late, right? Because I think we had to reschedule it because of my child yet again. Um, Like because of hockey and stuff. Banned this time. It was a band. I can't, I can't keep up. Yeah. We have a lot going on. Hockey was last time. Um, I just assume we'll be hockey. in town to see you soon for hockey, so you know, be somewhat nice. Yeah, maybe we'll do a something a little fun, the two of us in the same room. 
Yes, we should. We should definitely. We'll have to think of a... Uh, um, actually, I would beseech everyone who still managed to get through our scrambling about the lion. Sound off. What's something that we can talk about while we are in person together in Texas? Where you can get Des and Troy. <laughs> Texas. And all the Thor Ragnarok jokes today. Lots of them. It was actually pretty apt for the orcs. The orcs would have loved that movie too. Um, they would have. <laughs> yes. You want to take us out, Carrie? Actually, they probably would have been on Hello's side, to be totally honest. Here. Oh, 100%. Like gardens and tea parties. Pretty much. Want to take us out? Yes, I certainly will. So you've listened to the Warhammer 40k book club episode regarding War Boss by Mike Brooks. Be sure to join us next time for the Lion, Son of the Forest, because that's what his name means. Lionel Johnson. It's very, very original. Because, you know, the Black Library and War and uh, Begins Workshop, they like to be subtle. Probably didn't know that. Well, and the, the poet Lionel Johnson. They like to be subtle about how they're naming things. They don't like people just being like, well, it's also because of a poet. No one likes that, Jen. Be quiet. All right. Yeah. <laughs> we are an unofficial. Corvus is a thing. <laughs> Raven, Raven. We are an Raven, unofficial. Raven. <laughs> unofficial book club oh, don't forget about Karn Betrayer Betrayer we are an unofficial book club and not affiliated with the Buck Library or any of its affiliates you can find both the vidcast and podcast on our website wh40kbookclub.com if you like this episode please like subscribe give a review and all those good things to the vidcast on YouTube or the podcast anywhere you get podcasts our site also has articles about our adventures and reading other Warhammer 40k books and short stories outside of the book club books so please stay well and read from a crag. Uh, I'm not really uh, Alpharius, but I do hunt the fallen now. So excited. I would say get you something, but I didn't get the book, so. And you don't even have your chartreuse out. It's not on your shelves. You know what? It's because Games Workshop apparently forgot that book exists, so why should I remember? <laughs> Too soon? Good of the Warhammer 40k book club is hosted by Jen Bozier and me. Recording and editing of both the vidcast and podcast were done by me. The book club questions and discussion format were done by Jen, and all of our music is by Jingle Punks. The Warhammer 40k book club is a Warhammer LLC production. This is a Voxcast that even he, Cato Sicarius, would approve.